you know, we're a Syracuse football pod low-key as well. You'll be getting to call a Syracuse football game on WAER 88.3 FM on Syracuse's campus. I just sounded super official. So shameless, shameless plug. Welcome to episode 32 of the Go For Two podcast, a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Brad Klein and my co-host is Jenna Alike. And Jenna, I tested positive for coronavirus. I'm in quarantine. Good old times because that's basically how this podcast started. So it's kind of a throwback. It's I'm so sorry that this is how you've, you know, you're in quarantine. That's how you have to spend your 10 days because the rule is if you test positive, it's only 10 days and what that the rules weird, but, um, Hey, you get to go home for Thanksgiving and everybody who's, you know, we're a Syracuse football pod low key as well. You'll be getting to call a Syracuse football game on WAER 88.3 FM on Syracuse's campus. I just sounded super official. So shameless, shameless, shameless plug. plug. You guys should go check that out. They have an, a WAER app. That's well, how I'll be listening from the comfort of my home because Brad's going to make or, his play-by-play. Or you play could just day. tell your smart speaker to play WAER. So. Can you tell that we're programmed to say all of these things? Well, Brad, I'm happy that you still get to do all your things. Obviously, um, a podcast in quarantine is how we started. So it's nothing really too new that the thing is we still haven't we're 32 weeks in and we still haven't done a podcast together in person um doesn't look like we're gonna do it anytime soon either it it, we're never gonna do it i think uh this is the whole zoom over zoom thing has has been a positive experience so sorry you're in quarantine um but uh you look like you're doing okay over there Got this little beard thing going just because there's absolutely no reason to shave it right now. So I haven't. There you go. That's the deal. Look, a little frustrated because I'm a little claustrophobic, but hey, there's plenty to be frustrated about. If you're a football fan out there, we'll get to our fan frustration later in the program. But hey, we have some rookie quarterback action this past week. Tua outshines Herbert in the rookie showdown. Find out how that went down and our reactions from the Dolphins' win over the Chargers. The Ravens are slipping, Jenna. They fall to the Patriots and now in the final playoff spot. But we begin today with the Saints. And New Orleans looks like they lost their starting quarterback for a few weeks at least. A collapsed lung, broken ribs. Drew Brees is on the shelf. Enter Jameis Winston, who played probably about 50%, maybe even 45, 60%, that range of, of football this past week uh, in New Orleans' win over San Francisco, 27-13. to 13. So Jameis Winston is the quarterback now. Obviously, New Orleans prepared for a situation like this. But what does this injury mean for the Saints? It's really unfortunate because the Saints have been on, on a high. They've kind of hit their stride. They had some struggles early in the season, but they finally have figured it out, it seems. They just came off the the blowout victory of the Buccaneers. And so it truly is kind of disappointing that it's now that Drew Brees' health has come into issue. There's been some issues in the past with this, but um, it sucks that it's this way because it's not uh, something that can be dealt with quickly or should be dealt with quickly. It is a collapsed lung and a broken rib. I saw in um, one of the reports, I don't remember who said it, but like he's been told to be careful and be very cautious because this is something that's extremely serious. And, um, you know, the thing is that they have a competent quarterback in Jameis Winston. He might lose you some games. It's not like the situation where, uh, you know, he, he might, he, he's not going to lose you games. He might lose you some games, but there's definitely – worst backup quarterbacks um, in the National Football League. So it stinks, but they have the Falcons coming up, then the Broncos, and then they play the Falcons again. Then they have the Eagles. Their their next test comes December 20th against the Chiefs. So this is the best time. That sounds horrible, but the best time, if any, for Drew Brees to, to get injured. And then after the Chiefs, they have the Vikings and the Panthers. So they have smooth sailing on on the way out here. So 
I'm I'm not saying it's gonna be a huge hit for the Saints, but it's definitely not what you want to see. Yeah, it's funny because I was gonna bring up the schedule too because it is an easy schedule, and you're right. The only real test is Kansas City. There's no game on that on that schedule that I look at the Saints with Jameis Winston and say, mm, I don't think they're gonna win that game. Besides the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I, I think they can lose some games with Winston at the helm, but I'm not looking at any games and saying, oh, well, they're definitely going to lose now that Jameis Winston is the quarterback. And I think Drew Brees will be back for the playoffs. This is definitely the type of thing that needs its time. And the Saints, don't forget, they have the luxury of that six-game six win streak that they're coming off of, right? And technically are still on, is that – They've built themselves a little bit of a pad here. The Saints are in a good position. They're second in the playoff picture right now, seven and two, first place in the NFC West. And the Buccaneers are right on their tail. I get it. But at the same time, New Orleans is a first place team and they can afford to quote unquote, have a few weeks off from their starting quarterback. I think they'll be fine. I think they're one of those teams, especially with the veteranship on the roster that really just has to get to the playoffs, worry about the rest later. We were singing the same tune for the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. It's just, hey, regular season hardly matters. Get to the playoffs, win your games then. So I think it's basically the same business model for the Saints, but we'll see. And anyway, we go from the Saints to the Cardinals and Miracle Murray, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray pull off and Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, ridiculous play at the end, a Hail Mary in the end zone to push the Cardinals over the Bills, 32-30. to 30. And Jenna, what were your reactions to this? This is the kind of play that people want to know, hey, where were you when it happened? DeAndre Hopkins just goes, jumps over three men to catch a football like it's nothing. Um, where was I when this happened? See, the problem is, um, it was at the four, four o'clock slot. It was a late game. There was like six late games this week, which is a crazy, a crazy amount. So I don't know how many people can, can really be like, where were you when? Because a lot of people were watching other football games, including myself. Um, but I, you know, social media is a beautiful thing. And that's how a lot of people take in their first two. So I didn't see it live, but I saw it after. And the thing that was more impressive, a lot of people obviously were impressed with the catch from, from Hopkins, which when earlier in the season, we were talking about um, just like best wide receivers in the, in the NFL. And I was saying, I don't know, DK Metcalf, but I think a lot of people sleep on Deandre Hopkins. Like everyone knows he's good, but it's nothing ever it's never spoken about um on on any platforms to the extent that you know people like Michael Thomas and I don't know other people get the praise for but can you believe that the Texans let this guy go for <laughs> for David Johnson who is on IR currently that's utterly ridiculous but the thing that stood out to me more was the throw from Kyler Murray fair. that was crazy and then I'd probably screenshot it and it's probably on my phone right now, but they're the, I think it was his third least probable completion of the season, which means there were two throws that the catch, the probability that someone would catch it were less. That's insane. Cause hell, hell Mary's are the most improbable plays in all of football. So I thought that was most impressive. And then finally, um, Kyler Murray has now knocked off two of the MVP candidates um he's beaten Russell Wilson and he's beaten Josh Allen in head-to-head match matchups and Josh Josh Allen has beaten Russell Wilson so I'm I said in the the season you know this MVP is for Russell Wilson to lose and it looks like he's doing just that and Kyler Murray for me is at least um if you're looking at just head-to-head matchups is emerging as the clear MVP candidate thus far that can change because it's the football, so anything can change. Well, but right now, on. he's playing with with that type of play. That's MVP. That's MVP caliber. Okay, well, think about it. My intro into this segment, though, was hey, it was Aaron Rodgers esque. So doesn't Aaron Rodgers get a percentage of that MVP buzz that Kyler Murray gets with the play? No. In all seriousness, it was a fantastic play. It was a great game too because 
it came down to the wire. And honestly, the Bills should have won. They outplayed Arizona. Look, this is the type of thing that happens, and this is the type of thing that makes football great. It was a miracle. We shouldn't ignore that. But at the same time, even though Arizona got outplayed slightly, albeit, uh, this is a very worthy team. And I think people really have to start understanding that. And I hope the reaction is not, oh, well, it was a fluke play, therefore it was a fluke win. No, Arizona right now is first in the NFC West, which is, no surprise, the best division in football. They're number three in the playoff picture. So I I think Arizona has a very legitimate shot. And who knows, maybe they're that team of destiny after this play. It certainly looks like it. But we move on to the Steelers, who maybe they're the team of destiny. Maybe they're just a team of dominance. 9-0 for the first time in franchise history. Jenna, they beat the Bengals 36-10 at a moment when it really didn't look like they were going to have Ben Roethlisberger. But he played and he dominated. What is this, what is up with the Steelers team? I feel like we bring it up every time and every week it's like, oh my God, they they still haven't lost. That's that's the thing, um, is that we have to bring up a team that's undefeated every week. It would be we would be, you know, doing our audience a disservice if we didn't talk about the team that is currently the best in football based off record. You yeah, you said it, Ben Roethlisberger, we weren't sure if he was going to play and for that reason, we were like, oh, be careful with this game. But he came out and balled out over 300 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. The thing that was most impressive to me was this offense because everyone thinks about the defense. The defense is is one of the best, if not the best, in the league right now. But Ben Roethlisberger played out of his mind, four touchdowns. That, that's impressive with over 300 yards. And then you have on the receiving end, you have Deontay Johnson, who had – six receptions for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And then you might not be seeing that the touchdowns are, you know, a whole lot in that category. But then you have Chase Claypool, who has burst onto the scene. And he didn't have as many receiving yards, but he had two touchdowns. So this is a well-rounded offense. You also can't forget about Juju Smith-Schuster, who had 77 yards and and a touchdown. So this offense is – prolific at the moment um they could probably use some help on the running end as as um james connor only had 36 yards but this is something this is a team that's scary when they can do it on both sides of the ball at at a high rate and that's what it looks like now because we've seen the praises of the defense everyone's heard about the defense all season but i think the most surprising thing is how just cohesive this offense has has been because obviously they have their playmakers but i think there's been some people like Chase Claypool, who have, have stood out as, as um, you know, surprises this season so far. And that's how good football teams become great, of just people stepping up and, and doing their job. So I think I, – my thing is, like, I, maybe I just have to watch this. But like, for some reason, I'm still skeptical, but I can't deny the 9-0. and Maybe I'm just yeah. really on that, that Titans – as, as a really good team bandwagon. That's my team because you, you got though, your it's Steelers. A weird, it's a weird time to be on the Titans is a good team bandwagon, but I'll give it to you. They're kind of they're skidding right now. They but are. either way, Steelers are my AFC North pick. I have to bring it up every time because the popular pick, the Baltimore Ravens, are on the brink of my falling out of the playoff picture, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But look, yeah, the Steelers are looking really good. And obviously, James Conner with a very modest game is slightly concerning. But that's the glass half empty way of looking at it. The glass half full way is their best running back had 36 yards and they scored 36 points. That doesn't happen. That shouldn't happen. And yet with the Steelers, it's happening because they're right now, right now, the best team in football. And I'm not saying that they will win the AFC or make the Super Bowl. I still think it will be the Chiefs. I I think in a one-on-one game, it would be the Chiefs. But right now, you can't deny the Steelers the title of best team in football. And they're, they're, they're killing teams. That's, uh, that, that has to go for something right now. Yeah. And, I, I mean, they're 9-0. And, and how about this, though? And I feel like I've mentioned this before. The Steelers are one of the most, if not the most, storied franchise in football. Six rings, most in the history of football. And yet they're 9-0 and for the first time in franchise history. 
I'm surprised. I don't think they've ever been 8-0 either. So it's, it's unprecedented territory. Good for Mike Tomlin and good for the team because they deserve it after that ridiculous season last year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely good for them. Good for you. You picked them and I picked the Ravens, which they're slowly falling. And I'm assuming that's what we're getting to next. So yeah. I'll just, yeah, I'll, just jump, I'll just jump right in. Um, yeah, the Ravens, they've, they fell to the Patriots 23 to 17. And now they are in the final playoff spot. And the question is, will they make, will they miss the playoffs? And Brad, just because I entered it, let's, let's give you the floor. I want to hear your thoughts about whether or not the Ravens will, will stay in the playoff picture? You know, it's hard to say because they really need, in my opinion, they really need the Dolphins to stock down if they want to make the playoffs, right? Because it's either the Dolphins or the Ravens. They, they can't all stay, right? Because they're, they're all six and three, all three of those teams. The Raiders are fifth right now, Dolphins six, and the Ravens seventh. And you have the Titans at six and three right behind them. You have the Browns at, in the nine seed right now, also at six and three. Mm-hmm. I think the Titans are the biggest threat to pull out the playoff spot in the AFC. Really, all you need is the Dolphins to give up the spot, but I don't think they will because I think they're a pretty good team and they play in a bad division. Even the best team is beatable in, in the Bills, I don't think the Dolphins will beat the Bills again, but they're beatable. So I I think the Ravens will hold on to this playoff spot because I think, I think the Raiders or the Dolphins will give it up and the Titans will take it. But either way, the Ravens are too talented to miss the playoffs. I'm surprised they're in the seven seed right now. I know it just comes down to a tiebreaker with the Raiders and the Dolphins, but still, I'm surprised they're this low. I think they'll actually rise. Yeah, I it's a scary, it's a scary place to be right now. I'm not loving where we're at in terms of being a Raiders fan. Yeah, there's a gazillion teams it feels like that are six and three in the AFC. You have like six teams, all six and three. Um, and so I think for the Ravens to hold on to that spot, they need a couple of key victories. They need to beat the Titans this week. I think that that it's a must win. Yeah. Um, a win against the Steelers would be nice. You you got you, that's the thing. You have to at least split with with every division foe. Or I guess the Steelers can be their one team that they can go zero and two against. But those are the two made. Oh, and then against the Browns when they play them on December fourteenth. Those are the three games with playoff contenders um, that that need to win. And then there's there's games against the Cowboys and the Giants and the Bengals that you also just need to win just to make sure your record is up to snuff with the rest of the AFC because the AFC is pretty competitive and we are we're seeing that and also I just wanted to make light of this something that just talking about the playoff picture uh, when I was taking a look at this a team so obviously the Ravens were a team that had a big fall um, in terms of the standings, but so did the Seahawks. The Seahawks also, yeah. they're now at the last the last spot, also at six and three. But I think they, we this wasn't one of the questions, but I definitely think that the Seahawks have a better chance of holding on to their spot than the Ravens do, just because the teams like on the bubble or you know looking for a spot or the five and five Bears, the four and five Vikings. Like there's not six and three teams out there trying to get a spot. So. That's fair. So I think in terms in terms of that, that is a good test of two teams that took big falls and are currently stumbling. Um, the difference just between the competition in the AFC and the NFC. The AFC has been pretty competitive for, because teams like the Dolphins are actually good and like the Raiders, they're actually good teams that usually aren't are all of a sudden putting it together. And it's a pretty cool thing to see, especially if someone – named me, named Jenna Lique, picked the Dolphins to be their most improved team, and they are coming out and doing just that. So I'm pretty proud, and it's also pretty good when the Raiders are also your favorite team is also doing it. But let's stay with the Dolphins. Let's have some Miami Dolphins talk. I'm back home. I didn't mention that. I have, I'm no longer in Syracuse. I'm back in South Florida. So let's give the South Florida team some love. We had 
you know, I'm doing it begrudgingly because we had Tua outshine Justin Herbert in the rookie showdown as the Dolphins outdueled the Chargers 29-21. to Oh, sad. How I thought it was going to end up, I'm not going to lie to you. I definitely said last week that I thought Tua was going to have the better performance because he's just – he's just – playing better I would uh, he's just he's just playing better right now but Brad I'll give my two cents of why I think staying on the Justin Herbert train even after this outshining so go ahead first and then I'll take take the reins well let me guess your answer I mean you're already wrong with the Ravens so you have you can't be wrong with Herbert you have to bite one bullet no in reality they both actually played pretty well I mean both with two touchdowns the really the only main thing that separated them was that Herbert threw an interception, Tua did not, you know? And 15 for 25 from Tua, two touchdowns, 170 yards. Herbert with 190, 20 for 30, two touchdowns and a pick, two sacks. Herbert, or rather Tua, wasn't sacked once. I didn't think that either one of them played outstanding football. I think they both played well. Neither one of them ran much, which is fine because – Neither one of them are real runners. Obviously, two is a little more mobile in the pocket, but it doesn't make him a runner. I think Tua is a more NFL-ready quarterback, um, I, even though they're both extremely NFL-ready, and Herbert's already proven that. But I think there is something to be said for the Dolphins winning football games right now and the Chargers not. And, and I think we've, we've kind of alluded to this problem the entire year the Chargers losing all these narrow games. Now they're two and seven, but I feel like there's really not that much separating them from being one of those fringe six and three teams, maybe a five and four team that's on the outside looking in. Obviously they're out of contention now, but there's a lot to like about this roster and them not winning football games with this roster with a pretty good performance from your rookie quarterback it's concerning, and there's something there. There's something there that needs to be addressed, and if it's not, it's going to really bite them in the rear end when they're ready to win, which they're not right now. But when they're ready to win, then it could be an issue. I think that's the, the true difference here I, between the two teams. You put one rookie quarterback in a better situation. Right now, Tua is in a better situation because their numbers, like you said, in this game were pretty similar aside from the interception. I think that's what's differentiating the, 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 the play for both of these quarterbacks is one's throwing interceptions and one, and one isn't giving the ball away. Um, and Tua, who's thrown, I think, five touchdown passes and zero interceptions through his first, first few starts. So that's, that's pretty impressive, um, but I think it's a situation thing um, of the Dolphins are on the up and up, and the Chargers, as the Chargers always are, are in the basement of the AFC West, and they're, ju- they're just bad. I don't know what needs to happen over there, but I don't think you put it all on Justin Herbert's shoulders. I'd like to see this, this matchup maybe in a couple of years. I don't know when the teams are maybe a little bit more even and they're, they're fighting for something rather than just you know, Tua versus Justin Herbert. But I feel like this can be, uh, just like I said, Kyler Murray in the Tua game, you know, Cardinals versus Dolphins, that can be a good rivalry. I think, obviously, Tua and Justin Herbert are going to be compared for the rest of their career um, because you do still have Joe Burrow, who I still feel is on another echelon, even though I feel like they've all kind of played similar. They've all played really well. I still think that people just see him, including myself, just a tier above. Um so the, these two are going to go back and forth. So I'd like to see it when the teams are a little more even and see what can be done there. And I still think – Justin Herbert's still my guy. Um, I still think he's great. But I did – I decided I, – when I was thinking about this and saw what we were going to talk about, I did want to give, you know, Tua Tungavailoa his credit. He's been playing pretty darn well for um, for for – where he was almost it was like a year ago when he had his his season and college season under season oh my goodness college season ending injury um so you gotta give him credit and also I gotta give Brian Flores credit I think a lot of people do because no one thought that I mean there are some people who thought this was a good idea but I think a lot of people were like this is not a good idea why would you ever sit Fitzmagic when he's winning you games when Tua can potentially lose you games and they're they're three and zero 
right now went to is playing, I believe. So I mean, they haven't Brian lost a game yet. Is probably going to win Coach of the Year, especially if the Dolphins make the play. If the Dolphins make the playoffs, he's my vote for Coach of the Year because I think a lot of people expected the Dolphins to be sneaky good, but not this sneaky good, you know. And this is this is a little nuts. And you're right, that move was extremely questionable. I think even some people still might think it was the wrong move, but they're winning football games. So there's really not much more you can ask for. And actually, just to go back to what you were saying about Tua, Herbert, and Burrow, I think Tua has to be held to the Burrow standard. You're right. Burrow is held to a higher standard because he was the number one pick, and he always will be the former number one overall pick. But that would have been Tua had he not gotten hurt. Don't forget. So it, Tua is that number one pick caliber player with number one, one, number one pick caliber hype. Now he's healthy, so there's really no concern. All right, next up, we've got – there are three – we're going to continue with the playoff picture. Playoff picture was a big conversation this week because things are kind of shaking out. I'm still confused by, by this whole NFL season, to be quite honest with you. A- questions still weren't answered. You have the, you know, the Cardinals beating the Bills, the, Card- the same Cardinals who just lost to the Dolphins. So what does that even mean? It's, it's just a lot. But we do have three NFC West teams in the playoff picture right now. Do you think that will continue, Bran? I think it will because they're all they're all so good, right? And and as you said before, there's really not many teams on the outside looking in that if I was an NFC West team, I'd be afraid of, right? And and right now, the NFC West controls the three, six, and seven spots. You have the Cardinals at three, the Rams at six, and the Seahawks at seven. Rams and Seahawks are both six and three. So I'm looking at these te- these teams and thinking, man, not only are all of them really good, but they're all kind of contenders. And the Seahawks a little less just because of that defense. My thinking is if the defense ever gets healthy, then they'll be dangerous. But without a, a strong defense, they're really just pretenders, not contenders. Um, and the Rams, well, the Rams have two of the best defensive players in football, maybe even two of the best players in football in Ramsey and Donald. So there's a lot to like there too. And there's, again, there's just really no team like the Bears, the Vikings that I'd be shivering over. I have the same exact reasoning, but just looking at this playoff picture, it's laughable that the Eagles are even there at three, five, and one. It's last laugh- laughable. It's crazy because you have the Packers at seven and two, the Saints at seven and two, the Cardinals at six and three, the Eagles three, five, and one. The Bucks at seven and three, the Rams at six and three, and the Seahawks at six and three. So to me, I I, I don't see there being any other reasoning or any any other answer because it's obvious that they're all going to make it. Because who's going to take their spot? I'm not confident in the Bears right now. They just lost lost the Vikings. The Vikings are kind of on the up and up, but they're not going to be dangerous in the playoff picture. The Lions, I know how you feel about the Lions on this podcast. There's, Do you there's... actually think the, the Lions are better than the Eagles? I do. I just think the, the Eagles are really bad. They just lost to the Giants. So the Eagles are bad, Brad. Like, you can say what you want about the Lions, but the Eagles are really bad. They're really bad. Right. I think the best team, ironically, the best team in the NFC on the outside looking in is actually the 49ers. They're four and six. They're just not healthy. Yeah, that's that's the thing. We would have another, the whole, almost the whole division would be, you know, get slotted right in there because that's the NFC, aside from all of the teams that are in the playoff picture, there's no one else that really does any, looks, looks good at the moment. Um, they're all trending down or they're teams that started off poorly, like the Vikings who are trending up, but they started their season one and five through the first six. So it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer for me. The NFC on the back end is just very, very bad. So I say all three teams make it and good for that division because it is the best division, I mean, debatably the best division in all football. I think just the fact that they're going to have potentially three playoff teams is is enough there and so my question now is continuing with playoff pictures which non-playoff team is most likely to make the postseason 
So it's actually a pretty ironic answer and you might dislike it. I know we were talking about how, oh, look at all the teams on the, in the AFC that have a chance. They're all six and three. You got two teams on the outside looking in that are six and three. Good for them. I'm sticking the, in the NFC though. It's not the Bears. It's not the Vikings, not the Lions, not the Niners. It's the Giants, okay? The Giants at three and seven, I think have a better chance to win the NFC East than the Bears do of making it into the playoff picture and overcoming one of, the, one of those NFC West teams. And here's the deal, is that the NFC West is the best division in football, absolutely. But the problem for a team like the Bears is that there's not a superior enough team to just thrash the division, and they're just going to kind of shoot themselves in the foot and go down together if they go down go up together if they go up. So I, I don't think the Bears have a real path there just based on how crowded it is right now in the NFC West. I think right now the, the, the Giants are 3-7, and seven, the Eagles are 3-5-1. and one. So it's going to be really hard for the Giants to make up that ground given the tie. The tie will probably be the reason that the Crazy. Eagles win the division. But at the same time, the Giants have a pretty easy schedule, and the Eagles have a much more difficult schedule. So I'll read you the Giants slate here on out. It's a bye, then at Cincinnati, at Seattle, which if you score points is anyone's ball game, home against Arizona, home against Cleveland, at Baltimore, and then Dallas. So I'm looking at two more wins there at least, probably, and then maybe a third probably not but maybe two um and so you really need to win the third but I think it's the most likely bet give me the Giants that's you yeah that makes sense that's probably the the team that you can probably bet on the most even though their schedule does seem a little bit grueling but when you're in a division with the Eagles and the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, it's any, anyone's, anyone's ballgame. So that, yeah, that but, was – But the thing is, the thing is the Eagles schedule is much more difficult. I mean, I'll read it out to you. It, I'm pulling it up right now. They play the Washington football team towards the end of the year, which should be a win, especially because they'll need the game and Washington doesn't. They're also at Dallas. But other than that, I don't see a game that they can actually win. It's at Cleveland, Seattle – at Green Bay, New Orleans, at Arizona, and then you have at Dallas and then Washington football team. They can lose both of the games at the end. I don't think they will, but they could. I don't see them winning any other game. So it's really just a race to six wins from here. Both teams are three-win teams, so may the best team win or the, the, worst, the least worst team. How's that? Yeah, that's probably a better estimation. For me, I'm going to stick in the AFC because – there it's hotly contested and I think see I was I was gonna stay on brand and go Titans but I'm not gonna stay on brand I'm gonna say that the Browns make the playoffs for the first time and forever I think the Browns can make the playoffs and here's why um their schedule is just more favorable than than the Titans right now because I really wasn't the Titans but the thing is they have so the Browns next what they have up is against the Eagles against the Jaguars they have to win against the Titans and the Ravens back-to-back weeks so that's going to be a little bit of a struggle but I think it's possible if this team can click on all cylinders that's that's the thing that is they're so hot and cold they need to be consistent from, from week to week which that's the question mark but then after that they have the Giants and the Jets, but they do finish off with the Steelers, but a Steelers who probably Steelers team that probably would have already clinched some type of playoff spot. I don't know which, which type yet, but they probably won't be, they'll probably be resting up for the playoffs. So definitely a winnable, a must win game and probably a winnable game down the stretch. So I think um, the Browns, the Browns take sneak in and we'll see if who, who gets bumped out. Um, I'm not sure if that's the Dolphins or the Ravens. The Raiders. 
it probably won't be the Raiders just because the Ra- if it's the Browns trying to take their spot, the Raiders have the the head-to-head win. Okay. So I think like if it's like tied and close, which I think it will be with the Raiders schedule coming up, it's also very favorable um, with just really the Chiefs to beat. Um, I think back to back. That's why also why I kind of picked it because it, it is favorable in terms of my Raiders staying in the, in the playoffs and the Ravens might might fall out and they might be the Tampa, which, you know, it's hard for me to say, hard pill for me to swallow, as I did pick them to win that division. But when you have teams like the Steelers and the Browns kind of on the up and up, a little shaky, but if they hit their stride at the right time, I say that the Browns sneak in and go to the playoffs for the first time in probably a gazillion years. I don't know how, how long it's been, but it's been a long time for Cleveland. And now it's what was trending. Let's, let's keep moving down, down the sheet here. Brad, what was your what was trending this week? I mean, NFL bad beats, there were a collection of them, but this one was so bad that my grandfather actually called me up about it. Browns favored by four. At one point in the week, they were favored by three. I think it was actually two and a half, bumped up to three, three and a half, and then the game kicked off at four, okay? And so, the, okay, think about this. The Browns are four-point favorites. They're leading the Texans 10 to seven on their own half of the field. They have the ball. Under a minute to play, ticking clock, no timeouts for Houston. So you think, okay, they're going to run the football or need the football. It's over. And if I took the Texans to cover, I win. Cool. Then Nick Chubb breaks free of a tackle, streaks down the left sideline, and to the end zone, untouched. But wait, he takes a left turn at the one-yard line, decides not to score. So now... The Browns take a knee at the one. So you're thinking, man, if you took the Browns to cover, Nick Chubb streaking down the left sideline, untouched, unfettered, has a path to the end zone that no one could stop him on. But he decides, eh, I don't want to cover. I'm good. No, thank you. And so it was just a roller coaster of emotions there. Originally, he's looking to score. Houston fans are thinking, oh, no. And when I say Houston fans, I'm talking about the fiscal Houston fans. They're thinking, oh, no. And then, oh, yes, because he turns out borderline inexplicably. It was the right football play, but that football play is very rarely made by running backs that want to score touchdowns. Think of the fantasy owners, too. Bad beat. Very bad beat. I think it was – yeah, I was a fantasy owner. Granted, he gave, you know, he gave me 15 points at his return. I can't be mad about that. Um, definitely, definitely, I, I put him into the flex position. Cause I was like, I don't know. He just came off IR that, that second touchdown would have been nice, but, but it's fine. It's okay. Cause it was the good football move. And I, I think Miles Garrett tweeted, uh, his, his teammate, Miles Garrett was like, Oh, if I, if that were me, like good on him, love this guy. Because if that were me, I'd be in the end zone. Like I, I would have scored, which I think a lot of people, a lot of people, um, would would say the same about themselves and I I probably would have gone in for the touchdown but it was also called the reverse Todd Gurley where a couple weeks ago for the Falcons to win to win and not give um whoever it was that they were playing uh time to to come back all he had to do was like sit down just stop running but momentum carried him into the end zone reverse here Nick Chubb was smart and knew what needed to be done for my what was trending um it was a debut. We had a debut, and it came in a game against the Lions and the Washington football team, a game that no one wants to watch and no one wants to be a part of. But I'm scrolling on Twitter, and everyone's talking about this game and the debut that's being made, and it wasn't on the football field. It was in the booth. Former Broncos and it looks like Rams per this jersey. Yeah. So um, Aki Tlaib, um, he – retired about two months ago and he's already in the next stage of his career he's in the broadcast booth and I saw everyone talking about it so I was like okay this seems interesting as you know a broadcast student maybe there's something you know something interesting here something I should be watching for here oh wow it was an experience to have him on the mic it was very similar to Steve Smith and how he does stuff for NFL Network 
it's just a little more it's not as buttoned up as it usually is but he's kind of gotten better in that regard not saying that that that's the better way to be an analyst but you had Akib Talib who was just very very raw up there in the booth and it was very entertaining I I turned it on because I was like I have to see what everyone's talking about and he was just calling it like he saw it and like he was talking to his best friend right next to him which you know We've had some bad analysts. We've had some Jason Witten analysts who are just who just stand there stiff. No, he was having a good old time, and it wasn't what you would probably, you know, when you think of your analysts, um, you know, you think of in, – in a broadcast booth, usually it's a lot more professional, I would say. But I feel like a lot of people enjoyed just how casual in conversation he was with with his broadcast partner who I don't know who that was apologies because Akeem Talib stole the show it was kind of a mess had mixed reviews but people were loving it on the internet um and it'll be interesting to see how how he continues because I think you know it's always been I guess the way I've been taught because I sometimes in terms of broadcasting have a problem with like being super energetic and it's like sometimes you got to go all the way full throttle and then, you know, bring it back and find the sweet spot. So I think he went full throttle here, and he might just need to find the sweet, sweet spot, and he can be a pretty good analyst. Brad, did you hear about any of this? Or get to see any yeah, well, the play-by-play man was Dan Helley, and, and he does a good job. Look, I heard about Akib Talib originally. It was mixed reviews, but I think those mixed reviews really emerged into positive reviews. Yeah, yeah, had energy, but that's kind of what you want your analyst to have is energy and knowledge, those two things. And he certainly has the latter. So good for Akib to lead, maybe a new career, and it came really quickly. Can't, can't complain. And complaining is what we're going to do next. Took me a while to get there. But complaining is what we're going to do next because it is our flagship program. Fan. <gasps> Frustration. That's right. It's fan frustration. And Brad, the Jets didn't even play this week. And you're still frustrated about something. Of course. Of course. You disappoint me. I'm disappointed that you actually thought there was a chance I'd be empty <laughs> this week. But I'm not. Because we already know for this coming week that Sam Darnold is once again out with a shoulder injury. And he was out the previous time we played two weeks ago with a shoulder injury. And so this is obviously prolonged. Obviously, the bye week did not do enough for him to get back. And at this point in the season, we have no wins. My two goals are as follows. See what you have in Sam Darnold. At the very least, have him play well so his trade value goes up because we're probably going to trade him because we're probably going to draft that guy from Clemson. So, but that's going to be really tough to do if he doesn't play football, because right now his trade value is as low as it possibly can be. I'm convinced of that. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in September. Why would anyone give up a first round pick for a quarterback who hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since September? It doesn't make any sense. So basically Donald not playing is taking away half of the joy out of this season that Jets fans can possibly enjoy. So it's a little frustrating. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan. A little frustrated. But Joe Flacco looked good last or two weeks ago. That's the he other was thing. Moving if, the Joe ball. Flacco, if Joe Flacco, for any inexplicable reason, gives us a better chance to win football games, that's another reason I'd be frustrated because I don't want to win football games. Yeah. You got to – yeah. That's the thing. The Jaguars, I think, have one win. The Jaguars are the only other – team that we're really looking at because they're all a one-win team there's no other one-win team in football yeah so you're really hoping for that good old 0 and 16 and they almost beat the Packers too they disappointed. Did. that's also frustrating for me um again it's I I'm frustrated that we have this podcast Brad because it's hard to be frustrated when your team is six and three and then you know right now has a playoff oh, spot oh, oh, oh. Very frustrating for me. But you know what? I can still find something. And I think the thing I'm going to talk about is how this Raiders team can be a tad deceiving. And it's not on the offensive side of the ball. 
Derek Carr is playing great. The running the running back tandem of Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker has been fantastic as of late. Uh, I think they, over the past couple of games, they have like a thousand rushing yards combined. So have really been, been playing well and they've scored like six touchdowns or maybe it was eight. I don't remember something along those lines. They've been playing really, really well. And so that that's been really great. The offense I'm not worried about. And they're doing all of this with the majority of the offensive line injured. They don't have Colton Miller. They don't have Richie Incognito. Rod, uh, Trent Brown has, has been out for a while. So they're playing with second and third string offensive linemen and still having a really great running game. And so the, the problem, which is always the problem for the Raiders, is their defense. And here's where it becomes a little deceiving because the defense actually looked kind of good <laughs> against, against the Broncos. But again, it was against the Broncos. But it wasn't that they played just good they played probably the best I've ever seen them and this statistic alone is is why they've looked the best I've ever seen them because they had five takeaways so it was one fumble and four interceptions that does not happen for a Raiders team we do not force turnovers we do not we do not sack the quarterback. The two things that we just do not do, the two most important things on defense, our defense is incapable of doing. So they didn't just, you know, maybe get an interception and maybe a couple sacks. They had four interceptions. That's good wherever – that's that's good. And then they only allowed one yard for the Broncos' offense in the third quarter. Just one yard. So you think about that on paper – the Vegas, the Las Vegas defense, man, they're good. They had like over 15, I think they had 15 fantasy points, which I don't think we've ever had positive fantasy points, which that's not, you know, that important, but it does say something. So the, the thing is, you, you got to keep this in perspective because the Raiders are still bad on defense. And the fact of the matter is, Drew Locke, I'm not going to have the, is, is the Drew Locke good conversation with people right now. Because right now, four interceptions on, on that box score isn't great. But he also was banged up because the Raiders brought pressure, something that they don't do. So it's, it's just a little frustrating because I know, the, as I say, the Raiders never cease to disappoint me. That's something that they will do every single time. So right now, of course, I want to be like, wow, Paul Gunther's defense, finally figuring some things out. But in actuality, they're still missing tackles. They're still not doing the fundamentals. And this was just playing a bad team. But lucky for the Raiders, that's all they'll be playing the rest of the way, except for this week where they play the Chiefs in prime time. Oh, goodness. That's not going to that's not gonna end well. The Chiefs are going to come in with a vengeance off a of bye week. Yeah. It's not it's – not, well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, later in in this episode but after that they have the Falcons the Jets they do have the Colts who are good but then they have the Chargers crap we play the Dolphins I forgot we play the Dolphins Dolphins then Broncos so the majority of at least half of those they'll win but we can't start thinking that this defense is actually good because that's scary territory as a fan because that creates hope and hope, hope is, is something the most dangerous thing in sports fandom you, you never you never want hope and Last time I had hope was in a year 2016. And you know how that season ended with Derek Carr breaking his leg against the Colts late in the season. And guess who we play late in the season? The Indianapolis Colts. So hopefully he has a chip on his shoulder and it's like a redemption game. But that, you know, that kind of scares me. That's all I have for my fan frustration. Not super frustrated, but I definitely, it's more of like a fan base. We need to calm down a little bit because we're, we're getting some hope. To quote the great George Costanza from Seinfeld, I don't want hope. When you're hopeless, you don't care. And when you don't care, that in turn makes you attractive. So hopeless is the key. It's my only hope. Nice. There you Solid. Go. We're moving on to our preview segment. Some big games to get to, Jenna. Rapid fire. Some predictions here. Titans-Ravens, a seven seed in Baltimore, an eight seed in Tennessee. Two, six, and three teams with high expectations at the beginning of the year. Who do you have? Both of these teams are trending downward. So you know what happens when you do that? 
you pick the team that you've been with the whole time. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. They're going to turn some things around. You know what? Give me Tennessee, too, because this defense really should overcome Baltimore, and right now they have a little bit more to play for. So give me Tennessee. Chiefs Raiders, I don't even have to ask you who you're predicting to win this one because you're a homer, but I'll take the Chiefs. I am not a homer. I say it every single time. I will never pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because doing that is foolish. Of course, I want the Raiders to win, and it is – when you're looking at the season, I didn't expect them to win either game, especially the game in Arrowhead. So you'd think that the game in Allegiant Stadium would be more favorable for the Raiders. But one of the hardest things in sports, it's a pretty common saying, is beating a team twice. That's fair. You can beat it once, but beating them twice is, is nearly impossible. So I say, hey, I'm cool with draw, you know, splitting the, the, the games with the Chiefs. And maybe come the playoffs, we, we can get another – get another one I don't know I I don't think we can we can do it again I don't know what I would do if we beat the Chiefs in prime time swept them I don't know what I would do I don't know what my reaction would be I think I'd be able just to die happy and just slide (laughs) just be ready ready to go because I've never I never thought that was gonna happen so give me the Chiefs because it's the obvious choice here there you go. And we'll finish it off with the NFC matchup of the week. Rams and Buccaneers, two NFC contenders. Who do you like? I like the Bucks here. The Bucks, another team that that has played pretty well as of late. I know that they had the the really poor performance against the Saints, but let's give maybe more credit to the Saints. Um and I say that the Bucks, they're they're here to stay and they're here to remain contenders. So that's my pick. You know what? That Rams defense is really, really good. I'll take the Rams here. I'm a little apprehensive about the pick because the Bucs are home. I think the Bucs are the better team as well, but it's not a great matchup for Tampa Bay. So I'll go with LA and that'll do it for us here on the go for two podcast episode 32. We're plugging away here. And now I have COVID hopefully next episode. I won't have COVID. We'll see. I, I should be out on the next one doesn't really matter because we'll still be uh, how many hundred miles away from one another? It doesn't matter. Too far. Too far to do it in person. But thanks for joining us on this edition of the Go For Two podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Go For The Number Two podcast. Send us an email, gofor2pod at gmail.com. You can check us out on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, all you have to do is type in a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans or check out on Twitter. We, we tweet out that link every week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.